Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Are you caring for an aging loved one? Are you a senior searching for answers? Welcome to Senior Care Live, a program dedicated to you. Providing information, education, and resources for seniors and their caregivers. And now, America's Senior Care Consultant, Steve Keeker. Hello and welcome to Senior Care Live. I'm Steve Keeker, your Senior Care Consultant, and I really appreciate you tuning in today. And as you may or may not know, the mission of Senior Care Live is to provide you information, education, and resources for two groups, okay, seniors and their caregivers. And we do have an excellent program for you in studio today. My friend and special guest, Mr. Bruce Glenn, he's the owner and the CIO of the Glenn Team Wealth Planning at Infinitas. And Bruce, welcome back to Senior Care Live. Thanks, Steve. It's always good to be back and uh, on the heels of a great uh, Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl. Go Chiefs! Yeah, last week I had to crow a little bit. So, <laughs> yeah, the rest of the world doesn't care, but you know, yeah. since we are based from here in Kansas City, yeah, 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 and and you know, there are tons of Chiefs fans there. I'm shocked at how many Chiefs haters there are. I mean, like a lot. <laughs> well, that's the way it gets. It's like the Patriots after a couple of wins. They got to where they, there was uh, Patriot fatigue. Uh-huh. You're going to yeah. get a little bit of that with the Chiefs as we keep winning these Super Bowls. Yeah, and I, I think I think we've got uh, – I think we have a lot more in, in us here. So I don't think that's going to be the last parade that we're going to see around here. I agree. So if we can only get our Royals back to that level. (laughs) (laughs) I see you have your uh, spring training Royals shirt on today. I do. I do. So I'm ready for some baseball now. So, (laughs) And so, all right. Well, so we're going to uh, uh, talk about some excellent information, uh, really, really geared, uh, again, towards seniors and their caregivers. A lot of this might kind of lean toward the caregivers. And so, uh, you know, pay special attention. And if you want to reach out to Bruce and the excellent team at 913-563-563. 7327. That's 913-563-7327. That's anywhere in the country. If you're driving and you're like, oh gosh, I won't remember that, just go to SeniorCareLive.com in the partner sponsor section. You just click that tab and all the information's there and you can uh, you don't have to worry about uh, trying to remember that one. So anyway, Bruce, let's jump in here. Uh, and you know, what are some of the ways that, uh, that uh, our listeners can maximize their retirement savings? Yeah, great, Steve. And, and, you know, being the new year, there's some new limits this year also. But, okay. But I'll tell you at a high level, the best way to maximize your savings is put on automatic pilot, whether it be through work, your 401k, or an automatic IRA contribution each month. But do something on automatic pilot. That way you don't wake up five years later going, wow, I wish I would have saved more or would have increased my savings. You've done it already. And and then if it comes out and it's just it's just automatic, you're, 
you're kind of not totally aware of it. I mean, it's already out. You kind of build your budget around what is left. Exactly. And, uh, and you're doing yourself a huge favor. Yeah. Americans love for their own devices. If you try and save what's left at the end of the month, there's nothing left. That's nothing. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> but yeah. you managed to get through the month if you paid yourself first on your retirement. So it's mm-hmm. kind of funny how it works that way. Yeah. So there, there's some different things this year that have gone into effect or changed. So like IRA limits now, if you're under age 50, is has raised to $6,500 for the year. And if you're over age 50, it's now 7500 And then your 401k at work, um, and 403b, same thing. As far as the limits, the uh, if you're under age 50, it's 22500 And if you're, this year, if you're over age 50, it's 30000 so I always uh, want to remind our folks that we work with to uh, go ahead and change that payroll deduction if they're uh, able to max that out. Um, you know, another thing is they're going to, have to make a decision on if they want to do this before tax or after tax. And so kind of at a, a rule of thumb, or generically speaking, if you're under age 40, I think that the Roth version makes a lot of sense because mm-hmm. you've got enough time to make up that that haircut on the front side on the taxes. Mm-hmm. If you're over age 50, you don't have as much time left before you may need that. And it's probably better to have more of that money working for you. But, you know, it, you need to customize that to your own situation. But that's kind of how I look at it at a high level on those items. Okay. All right. That's excellent. And uh, and again, j- just to put a, put a point on that, pay yourself first. You will never be sorry we're paying yourself first, get that automatic deduction. You live on what's left. And like you said, it's amazing. It just, it always works out. Yep. <laughs> I say pay yourself first. That way you can retire ready. That's right. <laughs> That's right. And, uh, and, uh, and, and some of this, my dad told me that a long time ago. Pay yourself first. So Smart man. It's, uh, it's, it's good stuff. And then let's talk about tax harvesting. And uh, I think a lot of people have maybe heard that term, but what is tax harvesting and what all is involved in that? Thanks, Steve. So in terms of investment world, so tax harvest would be where if you sell an investment that is uh, at a loss. Ah. And now if it's in an IRA, it won't matter. But if it's in a non-IRA account and you sell something that's at a loss, then then you can take up to $3,000 per year or you can offset gains with it. And then you have a 10-year carry-forward rule. You can use up to $3,000 per year that you carry that forward. But mm-hmm. you, you physically have to sell that investment and, and harvest or lock in that loss. So if, if you're – give an example of what, what that might look like and when you might pull the trigger on that. Sure. So last year was a good year for it, and there may still be some opportunities now because the markets haven't fully recovered yet. Yep. So you may have some investments depending on how long you had held them. That maybe are at a point where you can you know, can lock in some losses, or maybe it's an investment that should have been upgraded, but for a long time you didn't want to because it had too much taxable gains in it. With the pullback in the last fifteen months or so, maybe your taxable gains are down to a point that it's you know more palatable to go ahead and and take that minimal gain in order to upgrade your investment altogether. Okay. So there's a couple of different ways you can do that. And if you had a loss, then that's going to offset some gains, and that's going to save some in taxes. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Okay, well, that's just smart. That's just smart business right there. So, uh, so that and that that makes a lot of sense. And I've had other people explain it, and they didn't explain it as simply and as clearly as you just did. So, thanks for doing that. No, so. I appreciate that. Thanks, Steve. Um, and then, uh, are there any changes to the inherited IRA rules? Right. So recently, there has been a change of that. Uh, used to be that if you inherited an IRA, you could do what we call a stretch, where let's say that your mom or dad was you know, obviously older than you. And you could inherit that IRA. It used to be that they would assess the required minimum distribution based on your age. Mm. And you just had to take that amount out each year out of the IRA um, shelter. 
But now with the new process, uh, the, the government does want you to move all of that inherited money out within 10 years. And so that's, again, that just went into effect in the last couple of years. But it is a big change, so it's important to not get caught all at one time at the last 10th year, have to do it all at one shot. So I would, I would caution people to think about taking that out maybe in years when they don't have as much income as what they might think they're going to have later, or maybe try and do it on a fairly even basis. But I would try and avoid having a big balloon of money all at one shot. Now, what happens if you are a little bit asleep at the switch? You're listening to this show. My financial advisor didn't say anything about this, uh, <laughs> Bruce. And, and so I'll, so we haven't done anything. We're about on our 10th year. So they're going to be forced to take that out. Are you just looking at a large tax bill at that point? Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the IRA money, if it's, if it's, I mean, we're talking about pre-tax IRA yeah. specifically, but yeah. as far as the tax bill, but uh, if you uh, don't get those out, then you're going to have a whole bunch coming out at one shot and that's going to raise your tax bracket up. It can also affect your Medicare premiums and, and all those type of things that are, you know, a little behind the scenes surtaxes. Mm-hmm. A lot of things can be affected with that. Yeah, because it's going to look like your income went from X dollars to whoop, way, 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 way high. Yeah. And that, that has a ripple effect. It does. There's so many different hidden taxes that are affected if you have too much income in one year. Some of them take a couple of years to work work that out of the system also. Okay. And is that also referred to as the BDA 10-year rule, if someone should hear that terminology? Right. A BDA is just a beneficiary designated account. That's okay. all that means. In our industry, we, yeah. have, we have a lot of code words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of acronyms. So, now, yeah, wait, BDA. Now, do you have more than senior care? I don't know. It, I it, think so. It, it, oh, <laughs> Maybe <boy>. not. <laughs> oh, boy. We're going to have to do a study on that. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mr. Producer Sean do that someday. <laughs> <laughs> Sean's like, uh, no, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing that. <laughs> that sounds really boring to me. So. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but uh, anyway, all right. And then w- what can people do to help with their taxes when it comes to uh, RMDs and uh, charitable contributions? Yeah, so this is one that a lot of people miss. So, you know, when you become now the new rule, the Secure Act 2.0 change is the new rule. You take your uh, uh, required minimum distribution at age 73. But if you've got an IRA, you know, you might want to uh, take that RMD and then send that to the uh, non-for-profit charity because they're not going to pay taxes on it. And if you didn't take possession of it, you didn't pay taxes either. Mm. Okay. But you satisfy the rule. You've got it out of the, out of the IRA. All right. So you have the required minimum distribution. If you're going to make a charitable contribution, uh, you might as well do that and save some taxes. Yep, Absolutely. Okay. All right. That that makes that actually makes a, a lot of sense, and a lot of a lot of people, um, you know, are interested in doing that. If this is new information to you, or if some of this information is catching your attention, you're like, wait a minute, you know, I didn't realize that, or you know, I haven't heard from my financial advisor in you know the, a year. Okay. Well, that's the, or or two years or longer than that. Okay. Maybe they're it's still in the business. Maybe they're not. Uh, reach out to Bruce Glenn. Get a second opinion. Bruce, you do a lot of second opinions, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And we don't charge anything for that. It's complimentary. We can take a look at how your investments are structured, the quality of your investments, the fees you're paying, how your portfolio is designed. Is it working together? Is it at the risk level that you need it to be at? A lot of things we dig out and look at. Again, no obligation and no charge. Excellent, excellent. That's at 913-563-7327. And now the Senior Care Live question of the week. If you're going to leave money to a charity, it is better to leave the money to charity through an IRA. Is that statement true or false? What do you think? You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. 
For more information, visit SeniorCareLive.com. We'll have more with Steve coming up next. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For more information, go to SeniorCareLive.com. All right, back to the Senior Care Live question of the week. If you're going to leave money to a charity, it is better to leave money to that charity through an IRA. Is that statement true or false? And the answer is... True. The answer is true. And Bruce, why is that true? Yeah, thanks, Steve. So the situation is a non-for-profit is not going to pay taxes on the gifts that they've received. And if you leave your IRA, your pre-tax IRA, this is going to be taxable when the money comes out. If you leave that to your kids, they're going to have to pay taxes on it. Yeah. If you gift that or part of that IRA to your church or your other charitable uh, 501c3, they're not going to have to pay taxes on that. So, you know, it's better off for your family if you, you know, gift away some of the IRA versus the non-IRA money. Yep. And if if you think you want to give it to your kids and then have them donate it to the charity, uh, there's there's some taxes that's, that will be taken out and not as much of it will make it to the charity. So you can just designate it to the charity just right out of the gate. Right. And, and that's one of the big things that's the problem with the churches in, in the country right now is they're losing more and more of their older uh, folks that are good tithers. And a lot of times the second next generation doesn't uh, isn't that you know, philanthropic. So yep, yep. a lot of times if you really care about your your you know, philanthropic organization, then maybe carve off a little bit of that as one of your beneficiaries yep. or part of your trust. I, th- I think it's mm. a great idea. Uh, so again, we're visiting with Bruce Glenn. He's the owner and CIO of the Glenn Team Wealth Planning at Infinitas. And you can reach Bruce and his excellent team at 913-563-7327. And uh, Bruce, let's just talk about this just for a second. What is what is a fiduciary? What, what does that mean? Yeah, so Steve uh, and you and I have talked about this quite a bit, both in terms of what you do and how you work for folks. And same thing with us. Fiduciary means we're working for our client's best interest. And that may, people assume that that's always the case. But unfortunately, in a lot of industries, it's not. In our, in our industry, uh, there's an awful lot of people out there that uh, they're working to sell a commission product. Um, or something that's, that they may get paid compensated more for one co- product versus a different one. So, so fiduciary, some... yeah, the fiduciary is your conflict free. You're going to do the best you can for your clients, and you're not going to get paid any more for one item versus something else. You're just doing it for your best, your client's best interest, and what their goals and needs are. See, that makes sense. And then if if you're so, here's the point that I wanted to make. If you're listening to this program, this information, it's catching your ear. And you have to ask your question, you know, is your financial advisor a fiduciary? They're bound by law to work for you and in your best interest. And there are ways to measure that, by the way. <laughs> are, are, they, are, you, are you stuck in just a couple of vehicles or, or does your, your financial advisor able to you know, shop the entire marketplace? If they're, Go ahead. I'm sorry. I would point out a couple of easy ways to know if, if you're working with a fiduciary or not, yeah. or at least, at least a kind of a telltale right yeah. at the high level. If you've got your statement of your investments and almost all of your investments or all of your investments in one particular fund family, okay, that's not good. Yep. If you've got some kind of an annuity that has a really, really long surrender schedule attached to it, like 10, 15, 18 years, mm-hmm. that's not good. These are some telltale things I see all the time. 
Okay. And that's it. So if, again, so check out your portfolio. If you're seeing some of those things, you're like, wait a minute, wait a minute. That is not good. I wasn't even paying any attention to it. I Again, I invite you to reach out uh, to Bruce and I'll just give you his number again, 913-563-7327, licensed anywhere in the country that can help you with the uh, Bruce Glenn and the Glenn Team Wealth Planning at Infinitas, 913-563-7327, a free, no obligation, second opinion. I would take him up on that offer. All right. So, Bruce, uh, tell us about these uh, 1031 and 1035 exchanges and how they might be able to help us avoid paying more taxes. Thanks, Steve. So this is a couple of uh, IRS code and chapter items that a lot of people are not aware of. Uh, So the 1031 exchange, that's the ability to take some taxable gains in real estate and move it into another type of real estate investment, whether it be an active managed or we even have some passively managed real estate programs that are qualified for that. So it might keep mom and dad from being on the farm till they're 90 or 100 years old when they really don't want to do it. And the kids don't want it either, hmm. but they don't want to sell it and move to town because there's so many, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in, you know, land gains. Yeah. Um, the 1035 exchange, kind of the same idea. It allows you to take a life insurance policy, uh, cash value, move it to another life insurance policy, or you can move it to an annuity. And that is a non-taxable, non-penalty event in that actual structure movement. Okay, and so by doing that, and I'll tell you what, you know, I mean, we're we're broadcasting from the Midwest. I mean, obviously, this goes coast to coast, but we have a lot of farmland uh, around here and and in in the region, and so that that's probably a huge impact on a lot of a lot of families who still own you know small family farms. Yeah, absolutely, or it could be for uh, public storage, or maybe it's. Uh you know, any one of a number of, you know, apartments or rental units, anything that somebody yeah. may doesn't want to, to work any longer, actively manage that any longer. Maybe they can't do it. There are ways to get out of that and still, you know, preserve your tax situation. Okay, that is excellent. That's a 1031 and 1035 exchange. And then, Bruce, uh, I, I know that you know, there are several types of long-term care insurance policies. Uh, can you explain the differences between a traditional long-term care insurance policy and then one of these newer hybrid long-term care insurance policies? And then if, is there one in particular that might help out with taxes? Right. So I'll try not to go for 10 hours, which I could on this <laughs> topic. I've certainly yeah. done a lot of seminars on it. Yeah. But basically, there's three different types of deals. There's like one is a traditional uh, long-term care policy. Back when they first came out, there were hundreds of companies that were offering these policies and yeah. said that if you got sick, they would take care of you the rest of your life. You paid so much money per month. And, and if you didn't get sick, then, then it's just money, kind of like fire insurance. You used it or lose, lost it. Yeah. Um, over time, insurance companies realized that just like pensions and Social Security, they realized people were living longer. They could no longer fulfill their promises for no long, no more than you know they weren't charging enough for this type of a policy. So a lot of clients, and I I will say this up front, full disclosure, I've never sold one of those standalone long term care type policies. Yeah. I don't believe in them in terms of the fact that the premiums are not locked in. Yeah. Right. So we have clients that had them from other sources before us, and they're faced with you know, the rates are going up. Can I still keep this or not? Do I need to reduce the coverage or whatever the case might be? Mm-hmm. Now, ironically, that is the type that in some states you can get a tax deduction for the premium you put on that. Mm. And uh, the state will give you some exception on the Medicare uh, or Medicaid, you know, pullback, clawback rules mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. that they'll protect that amount that you had. Yeah. Now, the other things that I like better is there's, there's a, we've got a program where you can just actually deposit the money. And they'll give you two or three times leverage of that amount of money that you can use as a pool of asset hmm. uh, coverage. And then there's also life insurance policies that have riders that allow you to use your death benefit ahead of time if you need to for that type of a 
of a situation. So I prefer those because one way or the other, your family is going to get the value of that money out. It's not a use it or lose it. So those, that's what I like. It's more of an asset-backed program. Well, and a lot of people don't want to buy that insurance because they say, you know, what, what if I never use it? Right. And so this way, you know, you're, you have life, there's a life insurance component, there's a long-term care insurance component, and you can, you're going to use uh, one or the other or maybe all of it. So you won't be wasting your money at all. That's correct. Yep. All right. It is Mr. Bruce Glenn on the program today. You can reach out to Bruce and his excellent team at 913-563-7327. He is a wealth of knowledge, offering a free second look opinion. I would take him up on that. 913-563-7327. Anywhere in the country, Bruce will take good care of you. And Bruce, thanks again for being here today. And uh, I appreciate it. And Go Chiefs and go Royals. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Steve. Let's go get them. All right. We'll have more coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. Have a question? Visit SeniorCareLive.com. Stick around. We'll have more with Steve coming up next. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. For podcasts of the program, go to SeniorCareLive.com or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, just want to say thanks again to Mr. Bruce Glenn. If I mean, if you can't already tell it, <laughs> this man is a walking encyclopedia of knowledge. He's probably forgotten more than a lot of financial advisors know, okay? So, and I'm not throwing financial advisors under the bus. There are a lot of really, really excellent advisor uh, uh, advisory firms out there, okay? But guess what? There are a whole bunch of them that are not as good, <laughs> okay? I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> so, if, if, you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, well, well wait a minute, wait a minute, I, you know, I'll... Every, all of the investments in my portfolio, they are from just like one company or, or one category. And, and, and some of the things that he had, uh, he had kind of pointed out that might indicate that you're not with a fiduciary, there is nothing wrong with getting a second opinion. So if this is your health, what do you do? You get a second opinion because it's super important. Well, guess what? Your financial status, that's super important as well. So I would just encourage you. It costs nothing. Bruce is a straight shooter. They're not going to high pressure you on this thing. If you want a second look, 913-563-7327. He'll take good care of you. And if your plan is excellent, he's going to tell you that as well. Okay. And if it's not, then uh, he can show you how they can help you maybe make a lot of improvements. So I would take him up on that offer. All right. So let's jump in to another topic today. Uh, so first of all, I'm going to throw out the big disclaimer. Uh, this is not legal advice <laughs> of any kind. Okay, I'm providing some information for you. And if you want legal advice, you should seek that advice uh, through an elder law attorney for any specific questions that you might have in your unique situations. And then later on in the program, I'll provide a resource that can help you find an elder law attorney uh, if you don't already have one. So let's jump into this with that disclaimer, <laughs> because I don't provide legal advice, but I'm providing some incredible information for you. Let's talk about Medicaid penalties. 
I was talking about this with a client this last week, and I, I thought, you know what? I haven't talked about this for a long time. We need to talk about this. So I'm going to talk about Medicaid uh, as it per- – I mean, Medicaid pays for a lot of stuff. Uh, this is going to be very specific uh, f- for the part of Medicaid that helps pay for your stay and the majority of the cost in a long-term care community. Right. So if you need to move to what a lot of people call a nursing home and you've outlived your assets and you qualify for Medicaid, Medicaid will pay for the majority of that cost. Okay, so let's talk about these Medicaid penalties. A Medicaid penalty is caused by giving a and I'm throwing up my air quotes, a gift at some point in the last five years. So if you're looking into any of this uh, Medicaid uh, business at all, you're going to hear about something called a five-year look back. Now, forever and ever and ever, it was a three-year look back, and and then the government changed it just a little while back. Now it's a five-year look back, and that means that the Medicaid program looks back five years. So from the time you qualify for Medicaid, if that's today – They're going to look back five years for any gifts that you may have given. And if you have given a gift, okay, it's not the end of the world, okay, but you need to understand, this is the information part of this, uh, there is a penalty associated with that gift. So I'm going to talk about Kansas and Missouri, that's because that's my backyard here, All of these states are very, very similar. So I'm going to talk about a penalty divisor. Okay, and I'll define all that. But the Missouri Medicaid penalty divisor is $6,894. And so that represents the average monthly cost of a long-term care community in Missouri. Okay, the Kansas state divisor... They, they break it down by day, $234.27 a day. So if you just calculate that on a 30-day month, that's $7,028.10 per 30-day month. So here we have 68, almost $6,900 in Kansas is a little over $7,000. And, and most, of the, most of the states are going to be you know, pretty similar. So that divisor represents the average cost of a one-month stay in a long-term care community, also known as a nursing home, in that particular state. And then I'll explain why that's important here in a minute. So what is considered a, air quotes, gift? A gift is any assets that are given away, personal property or real property, that, that is considered a gift. And it could be as simple as a cash gift, just giving cash to your your grandson or anyone. It could be selling an asset for less than market value. So you're selling your car for less than market value, your house or some other asset for less than market value. It could be signing over the title of an asset. So you sign over the title of your house or maybe your car. You just made a gift. Okay, anything that is spent on someone else and not on you could be considered a gift. So I hear this a lot, and let me just uh, throw water on this one real quick. 
because people are we, we were just talking about uh, tax related uh, information with Bruce Glenn, right? I mean, tax tax times coming up. It's a pretty hot topic. So I hear this a lot. Well, Steve, I mean, the government allows a gift of up to seventeen thousand dollars without paying taxes. So you just give a gift seventeen thousand. I'll do that today. Well, so so that's right, but that has to do with the taxation of the gift, and it has nothing to do with Medicaid qualification rules. You see the difference there. So Medicaid says that seventeen thousand dollars. I don't care if you were taxed on it or not, or you say that it's a gift. A gift is a gift. So even birthday gifts and Christmas gifts could be counted. Also, tithing to your church, that can be counted. Now, with that, I've been told by multiple elder law attorneys that Medicaid has basically looked past all of these types of of gifts if they're in small amounts and there is a pattern of giving, uh, you know, a birthday gift to, you know, your grandkids on their birthday Christmas gifts over Christmas, uh, you know, you tithe, you know, $50 a week to your church or whatever the number is, and there's a pattern of that, and it's not this huge number, okay? A lot of times I've been told that Medicaid looks past that. They're looking for kind of the bigger ones, okay? But I would also not count on them looking past that. And the tighter the Medicaid budget, I think the more they'll start looking, drilling down on every single penny that's a gift, because that gets them out of paying that they'll pay less than because you have to pay that gift back. Okay, now there are a few huge exceptions, very notable exceptions. You can transfer your house to a disabled child, and this is referred to as the disabled child exemption. You can also transfer your house to a child that has lived with you in your house for at least two years, and they're providing care for you, and that care kept you out of a long-term care community or a nursing home. So your son or daughter moves in with you. They've, they've lived with you for at least two years. They provide care for you. Uh, that, so that's called the caretaker child exemption. And guess who knows about all these things? An elder law attorney, <laughs> right? I'm going to give you a resource here in just a second. You can also transfer the house to a sibling who lives in the house the year prior to the nursing home admission where they have an equity interest in the house. And gosh, I've worked with, I've seen this a lot where maybe two sisters are living in the house. They each own half of it. Uh, Well, so that other sister, that other sibling would be able to take your part of it. So, um, so so I and I'm running out of time, but I could talk about this stuff for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> All right, so I'm going to talk about that uh, divisor, the divisor coming up uh, in the next segment. But you're going to want to hear about this because a lot of people say, "Well, I, I wasn't aware of this," and I kind of unknowingly, you know, I mean, I made some gifts. I helped my 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 grandkids uh, with their, you know the first semester in college and I've got about $30,000 I guess that would be considered a gift and now I mean do they have to pay that back I mean I gave that to them as a gift I don't want my my grandkids to have to come up with that money so what do you do to make that gift corrected 
and get that off the books. I'm going to share that with you coming up next. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. To contact Steve or a guest on his show, visit SeniorCareLive.com. We'll have more coming up. Welcome back. You're listening to Senior Care Live on the Senior Care Broadcasting Network. Have a question? Visit SeniorCareLive.com. All right, so back to that divisor. So let's say that you live in Missouri and the state adds up all of your gifts over the last five years. I'm using a real specific number for easy math here, okay? So bear with me. All of your gifts total up $68,940. Okay, in Missouri, you take the amount of the gift, $68,940, then you divide that by that divisor, $6,894, and the answer is 10, right? That's the result of that math. The answer is 10. That means, here's here's what happens. That means that Medicaid will not pay for your nursing home for the next 10 months. Then they will begin paying that monthly amount, which is the majority of the cost, the 11th month moving forward, and they consider that gift Cured, that's kind of the legal term. You're going to cure that gift uh, or they'll consider it paid back. So no, your grandkids or whoever you made the gift to, they don't have to come up with that money. Okay, but uh, you're going to have to pay for it by basically withheld Medicaid payments. And that. so the question is, well, who's going to pay for that 10 months or three months or 20 months or, or whatever it is? Who's going to pay for it? That is this these gifts. I'm telling you, it's a, this is a huge, huge, huge deal. So again, to calculate the gift penalty in your state, just find the divisor. You could just Google that Medicaid penalty, and it'll say the 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 uh, the Colorado divisor the, or the state. The, it'll it, you can find it pretty easily. Okay, divide that by the amount of the gift, and the divisor will let you know how long your Medicaid penalty is. And uh, another, just a, a couple of housekeeping things. I would strongly advise not commingling money in the in the bank account. So keep their money in their account. Keep your money in your account. Don't commingle it. Right that way, you have an easy way to account for all of your income and outgoing expenses. And you know, some some people are charging their elderly parents for rent and for groceries and utilities. And you know, this could be uh, uh, pretty difficult if they need to apply for Medicaid within the next five years uh, when the you know when the from when the payments were made. So just uh, I here's before I did all that, or if you're doing it now, I would check with an elder law attorney on this. Uh, seriously, just make sure you're not digging a hole for yourself here. <laughs> That's going to be hard to crawl out of. All right. And uh, I always, always, always and forever recommend working with an experienced elder law attorney on all of these type of matters. I would not work with a general law attorney. It's nothing against them. But look, this is a very specific area of law, and you need an expert on this type of law. And I know of lots and lots of attorneys that won't touch this. They're like, hey, 
I, I think I kind of get it, but I'm going to refer you to a specialist. And they refer their clients to specifically to an elder law attorney that they're comfortable with because uh, this stuff is so specific. One wrong move could cost you a ton, and uh, the rules are changing all the time. So uh, you you want to you want to get with an elder law attorney uh, and because they're they're uh, they're very comfortable with all of this type of law, the intricacies, the changes, and and how to apply it in your best interest. Now, if you don't have an elder law attorney, you can go to. N-A-E-L-A dot org. That's the National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys dot org. N-A-E-L-A dot org. And you can find an elder law attorney in your area. And uh, I would find an elder law attorney that's been practicing elder law for a long time. They have a lot of experience. Uh, You know, with 10,000 people Retiring per day and uh, the silver tsunami of all uh, all of these uh, uh, elderly uh, folks that are just rising and rising in numbers. A lot of law firms have, you know, they've said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And we do that elder law thing because it's kind of a trendy thing to do. Right. Nothing against those folks. But I would go to a highly experienced, longtime experienced elder law firm that that does elder law 100 percent of the time. And I think that's just a, a good idea. All right, and then there's one more thing I wanted to cover today, and uh, this is really, really important. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. This is a consumer alert. Consumer alert. Okay, so since we're talking about Medicaid penalties today, I just wanted to spend a couple of minutes on this. What happens if, let's say, you're at home and you need help, you don't want to move to a senior care community, and you don't want to pay, you know, the, the the big bucks for a home care company, right? That you know the thirty thirty five dollars an hour, and and you don't want them. You don't want a stranger in your house anyway. And a lot of people feel this way. Well, what if you just hired your daughter? And what if your daughter says, you know what? I'm going to quit my job. I'm going to move in, uh, or maybe may, maybe you don't need to move in, but I'm going to care for my mom or my dad. And then they're going to pay me. So you have agreed to pay your son or your daughter X dollars an hour to help you. And that helps them continue to pay their bills. That makes sure that you're going to get, you know, the best possible care because, you know, these are your kids, not strangers, nothing against the strangers, but uh, this is just a better situation all the way around. So kind of everyone wins and you could probably pay them less than the 30 or 35 bucks and everybody's happy. Okay, so what happens if you, again, you hire your daughter and she's uh, worked with you and, and provided, been your caregiver, a paid caregiver for months and months and months, maybe even years, and you've ended up paying him or her, you know, 20 or 30,000 or 40,000 or 60 or, you know, whatever the number is, okay, for their legitimate care. And then you've decided okay this is no longer working i'm i'm going to need to move to a long term care community qualify for medicaid and i was able to stay home for a couple of years and 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 that was that was great but but now we need to move on so you need to qualify for medicaid medicaid looks back and says well wait a minute what are all of these payments to your daughter oh well that's because she was my caregiver and i paid her 20 dollars an hour instead of 30 dollars an hour to home care she did a great job she didn't call in sick and you know et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. and they said oh okay well where's your care contract and you're like my my, my what well your care contract uh, don't you have a care contract and you're like what is a care contract 
What a care contract is, is it's essentially an employment agreement saying that you are paying this person X dollars to deliver this kind of services, care and support, right? These, these kind of services and, and all, all the things. So it's literally an employment agreement. That you and you're paying them a fair market value. You're not paying them way over that. Again, that gets you into a penalty. But anyway, because that's considered a gift. But without a care contract, if you are paying your family legitimately for care that is legitimately provided and you don't have a contract, Medicaid will consider every single dime of those payments a gift. I think it's wrong. I think it's terrible. But you got to have a care contract. Contact your elder law attorney and get a care contract written immediately. Proceed with caution. This has been a consumer alert brought to you by Senior Care Live. All right. Now that I've scared everyone to pieces, (laughs) if you have questions on that, give me a call. All right, I'm Steve Keeker, and I wish you grace and peace. May God bless you and your family on this day and always. Join me next week right here on Senior Care Live. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.